0: Hi there, my name is Sue Nelson and for the next 30 minutes we're going to be talking all things food and drink. Um, I'm joined by my fellow presenter, Jane Payton, who is one of the UK's leading experts on beer and cider. In fact, she is a certified beer sommelier and author of numerous books on the subject. Today we're going to be talking local food, which you and I are passionate about really. And I can't really understand why a restaurant would source stuff from a million miles away when so many places have got fantastic local producers and we're going to be talking about this with our expert who is James Golding and the reason why James is an expert is because he's group chef director of The Pig. Welcome James.
1: Thank you very much. How are you doing? Really good thank you.
0: You've also very kindly, which is pretty good because it is lunch and we're a bit peckish. You've a also, little bit. You've also kindly bought some stuff with you. Do you want to describe what we're looking at? Well, don't? we've got
2: a feast. So right in front of me, it's a platter. It's a, a wooden board with a Scotch eggs with some delicious looking salami or charcuterie. charcuterie. And we've got some pork rind with some apple sauce, And oh, then... Pork scratchings things. Pork scratchings. And then we've got some beautiful looking smoked salmon with a wedge of lemon. That's really kind of you to bring all that, James.
0: A pleasure. We are, we are hungry. Now, let's talk a little bit about the pig. Um, uh, most people are getting more and more aware of the group, actually. Um, I remember going down to the New Forest when you first opened quite a long time ago. Brockenhurst, I think. That's right, yeah. Yeah. And I was, I, I mean, I wouldn't say it was the cheapest thing on the planet, but I really, really enjoyed it. Went for Sunday lunch as a family. We went in, there was a really cosy, huge fireplace, a great bar. All the staff knew exactly what they were talking about. Service is good, i.e. not right in your face, which actually is quite annoying, but just really, really professional. And then I couldn't believe the menu. It was (laughs) really fantastic. Oh, brilliant. Do you want to sort of explain you know, the sorts of... Let's talk about Sunday lunch for a start, the sorts of thing that you would have.
1: Well, I mean, Sunday lunch is one of those things where it's an opportunity for the chefs to really show off a bit, you know, because... There's so many technical bits that go into Sunday lunch, like perfect beef, the perfect Yorkshire pudding, you know, and then, you know, with our walled kitchen garden, there's nothing better than them going down there, grabbing what is fresh that day and putting it on a Sunday roast. So we usually rotate it. Sometimes it's pork. We'll do like a really cool porchetta where we take a local pig or a panage pig, roll it and then try and produce the best crackling we possibly can. Or it could be from um, one of our local... Uh, um, uh, butchers so we work with a company called salt to smoke which actually source whole animals like uh, test valley hereford's or something like that and we use the whole of the animal so we might decide which cut has been aged perfectly and we'd use that as a, a sunday roast option as well so because it's only that one day you kind of want to show off a bit so we make it extra special
0: and it is good and it is what other things do you generally have on the menu as well, sort of in the evenings and things?
1: So actually, I mean, I've brought a little selection, uh, as we mentioned before, and these these are sort of pig classics. So these are bits and pieces which stay on all of our menus because they're unique to what we've done since we sort of opened. So, for example, the smoked salmon is James Golding smoked salmon, and that's, that's my recipe that's cured and then smoked in local oak. We have our um, hock eggs or brock eggs here, depending on where you are. If you're in Brockenhurst, they're brock eggs. If you're anywhere else, they're hock eggs. (laughs) But if you've been to a pig, you've seen these little quail that run around and they lay our eggs for, for this dish. And then our charcuterie, which is um, something that we produce with a guy called Alan Bartlett. And and this is, uh, again, my recipes, but it's it's all made from British pigs, from local producers, from whichever pig you're at. And, And it's just a way of showing off the amazing quality meat that we've got in the UK, as well as, you know, some slightly different curing processes that are unique to England.
0: I don't even know what to say. Oh, no. um, <sighs> so so let's just go back to the pig. So the pig now have eight hotels. There's the New Forest one I've been to. Uh, Southampton, Bath, Canterbury. Well, Bridge, near Canterbury. <laughs> uh, Arundel, near Padstow, Studland Bay in Dorset and Harlem Bay in Cornwall. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, I guess they're restaurants, rural rooms, and they all have kitchen gardens. That, you know, that is the point, isn't it, James?
1: Yes, apart from the one in Southampton, which is we, it's sort of like a boutique B&B, we call it. it has, it's right in the centre of the Southampton there, but it still has the same philosophy and the same ethos.
0: And you have a menu that, that, that's, if you can't grow it or rear it yourself, uh, then you do source from the local area wherever possible, wherever Correct. practically possible. Yeah. And, and that's the foundation of your 25-mile menu.
1: Yeah, so it's quite interesting. When we when we first um, took on the original pig in Brockenhurst, it was an amazing country house hotel, and the, the one of the previous owners was the Queen Mother's family. So there is rumour that it's where Sir Conan Doyle wrote Sherlock Holmes. And um, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so the idea was, was to sort of run the house in a similar way to how it would have been run back in the day. So we had this incredible wall kitchen garden. We had this amazing um, acreage there which we could put animals on. And, you know, if you think back to those times, they would have had a forager. They would have had wall kitchen gardeners. They would have you know source their food from the local area and really focused on the community because well, that's that's what it was all about. We well,
0: wouldn't be able to get it anywhere else anyway.
1: Exactly. So, yeah. There was so, no supermarkets.
0: So we think Gosford Park yeah. really, don't we? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So so that was the original idea and and I think that it was it was a great way to work and as chefs you know or as myself I had to really learn how to use this produce that was coming out of the garden working with the kitchen gardener understanding crop rotation harvesting you know everything which a lot of people don't really know you know you, people think you grow a plant you chop it off and you use it and cook it but you know there's so much more to that there's so many ways that you can utilize a plant to it's you know capacity without having to actually pull it out the ground and that's that's where we sort of started and then it all sort of went crazy after that we we found ourselves in this sort of sustainability um uh category and um yeah we didn't look back eight hotels later and it's still going strong
0: and how do you source your local supplies because bearing in mind you you know you're as far away as cornwall uh, and we're we're here in kent and there's one near us um how do you go about sourcing those local suppliers and finding out who they are
1: so it, it was quite in the beginning it was quite tricky so when we opened brockenhurst we we were already talking to people like the new forest mark and hampshire fair and um It was quite an interesting time because I think there was a lot of people that were saying they were using local produce, but in actual fact probably weren't. So a lot of the local producers weren't actually too keen in the beginning because they'd been burnt or they'd been you know taken on and then and then told no no we can get it cheaper elsewhere so for, for the first two we really were going out there talking to farmers talking to suppliers trying produce getting them into the hotel showing them what we were doing and really kind of selling them the dream so that they could understand it
0: so so what you're trying to do is is, is have a true long-lasting partnership not and just just a, just a you know a sort of trade partnership right. but if you get people in and they can see what you're doing and they get involved and then then they're going to be up for a long-term relationship aren't they
1: that's right and and the biggest thing that we did was we wanted to give them some form of commitment so what we did on the back of the menu was we we did a a little illustration of the 25 mile radius from where the pig was and and all of those suppliers that would commit to supply to us we would promote them on the back of the menu so when you come to every pig you can turn that menu over there'll be a bit of blurb about what we do and you know some of our um really cool stuff whether it's drink or food and then um, you can actually see our local producers so that you can phone them up ask them what they do and a lot of them would love to show you around I mean the passion that you get from the local producers is something which we want our guests to experience as much as when you're sitting there eating the food so that's part of our commitment but as as it moved on, you know, people then heard about what we were doing and producers obviously talked to I each start other. start coming to you then. They, no, yes, yeah. that's right. So, <laughs> so now, now, I mean, especially Kent and, and most recently Sussex and Harlan, um, you know, the, the producers come to us and um, I think that's amazing. I think that we're, you know, we're in a lucky position now where we, we actually have these amazing, passionate people coming to us with their produce and getting us to try it.
0: But don't you think that if you conduct your business in the right way, ethically, and you've, you've got some type of purpose that people understand, then they'll trust you. That's right. You, you That's know, right. There's a degree of trust in That's that. That's right.
1: And, no. and we, we took it a step further. You know, in, in the beginning... Um, as we know, you know, when, when you're paying invoices and stuff like that, a lot of these small producers, they can't actually afford to wait one to two to three months to get paid. Right. So so what we did for any any small producers, we paid two weeks interval. So we would pay them two weeks after reception of, of, of invoice. And that way it kept their money flowing and kept them producing more produce and kept us working together, which is great.
2: It's so important to act oh. like a good corporate citizen, I think, Don't isn't you? it? Absolutely. And it's good for your soul and it's good for everybody. And paying quickly. And treating people really well. Do you know, so you know are these big
0: organisations that say, oh, well, we just do a standard 120-day oh. payment? I think it's an absolute disgrace.
2: I think it is as well, because you've done disgrace. the work or you've yeah. produced, you've given them the product or you've done the work and then they just sit on the cash for, I yeah. know, oh, don't get me started. Don't get me started. So, <laughs> should we have lunch?
0: Yeah. Sure. What, what would you like to start with? Um, um, should we well, have a bit of smoked salmon?
1: We could do. I mean, these are the piggy bits. So, so we have obviously piggy bits, garden bits and fishy bits on the menu. Right. I bought what piggy bits. Just the order. It depends on what you're in the mood for So this it's is all. the crackling Obviously I've, I've stopped eating this One because my heart slows down Every time I eat it And two because my dentist gives me a written warning Every time I go to see it So I've got some crackling here with some, uh, some of our apple sauce uh, Like I said The hock egg So this is actually um, ham hock that we cook uh, For a very long period of time Shred it down, wrap it round a quail egg And then oh. I've got some Coleman's mustard
0: dressing
2: over oh, there heaven. For
0: this and then, um, yes,
1: yeah, salami
2: here.
0: So, so I'm, I'm going to ask you things, first of all. Yep. Right. My husband cannot get the crackling right ah. on a Sunday. Okay. So it doesn't matter what cut we get. Yeah. Right. Can I just have a lesson to Yeah. eat that now? Does it involve uh, a f- flamethrower? No. No. <laughs> oh, no, I don't know. But, you know, it, it's really difficult because you want pork to be moist. Yeah. You know, and pork is notorious for drying out. Yeah. Um, so, so you want to do that slow and do that right. But crackling needs to be massive high heat do you cut the crackling off and do it separately or how, no. how do you do it Can so have a lesson so
1: please? say i'm doing a porchetta yeah what i would do is um score it first with a stand so, sorry up what
0: up. is porchetta for people so it's,
1: it's a rolled pork belly where yeah. you put the loin through the middle and then usually you put a mix of rosemary garlic a little bit of sage through the middle and then you
0: roll it all up and tie it in a bit sort of like round sauce so essentially you've got you've got all of the uh, the fat all the way around yes yeah. completely like a ball yeah roll,
1: roll. so yeah. so what i would do is i would take a standing knife the secret is to score that you want to get you know that that skin cut so you want he's good cut at it. that bit okay so so then what i do so, is so
0: you do, do you go down into the meat or just no, no, just no.
1: above just, just sort of uh, a few millimeters yeah. underneath the skin and then i take salt and and i would rub the whole of it with salt just fine salt all over, and then I leave it to sit for about sort of ten to fifteen minutes. And what will happen is you'll see the moisture being pulled out of the fat. And then if there's a lot of moisture, so it
0: sort of bubbles on top. Yes, almost. Yeah.
1: yeah. You can you can pat it down with a with a uh, paper towel, and then reapply a bit more salt. After about fifteen minutes, I'd brush off the excess salt, and then I'd add a little bit of um, vegetable oil all over. So it's nicely covered in vegetable oil, and then I start off about two hundred and twenty degrees. About twenty minutes, and what happens is that that salt and that fat basically cause the skin to pop. And you explode. want that you want that little yeah. air bubbles. And and by putting the veg oil on there, you're you're giving it, it a sounds, bit of a catalyst.
0: It sounds counterintuitive to put oil on a skin because you think you, you would make it damp, but that, it, that's what makes it bubble.
1: Yeah, that's so. So what happens is that the oil heats the skin at a high temperature, and that causes the the moisture to pop out the skin, and that's how you get that fantastic crackling. And then and then once you've You've got that amazing cracking for about sort of twenty minutes, you drop the oven down to about one eighty and then I would cook it with a probe. So if you've got one of those little um probe things, I cook it to about sort of sixty-eight to seventy degrees centigrade and in then the, let in it. In the rest. middle
0: of the meat. Yeah. So so you probe it, take the yeah. temperature. Yeah. Once it re- reaches that, yeah. you know it's gonna be cooked yeah. but moist.
1: Absolutely. And and the other thing is when it comes out of the oven, don't cover it. So when you take it out, if you cover it with foil or anything like that, all the steam will then ruin all your crackling. So it's very important you take it out and just let it rest on the side.
0: How long would you rest it for? Ten minutes. Ten minutes, yeah. Yeah. Ten minutes or so. So So we've just cracked on the crackling Mm -hmm. away from the microphone. Mm -hmm. Oh it's crunchy. So crunchy. (laughs) Beautiful. I did. Mm I love right. it
2: when you also get the the really lardy fattiness underneath as well. Oh, yeah, I, I love like that. it when you have that soft fat underneath mm-hmm. and then it's all crunchy on the top,
0: mm. too. Yeah, well, That is very nice. So I'm going to have some charcuterie. Jane, what would you, Thank you, if you did have Sunday lunch, roast pork, lots of crackling, just going to taste some um, apple sauce in a minute, mm-hmm.
2: what would you serve? Well, you've got a lot of texture in, in a Sunday roast, Sunday lunch, and you want to go, for me, I would go for beer or cider. So with cider you want something, with tannins I would say, ideally you have something sparkling a sparkling mm. cider with some tannins and acidity. It's always got to have acidity. I'd probably go for uh, Kingston Black, which is a, it's a variety of apple. Um, beer, I would go for as well. I'd probably go for a barley wine, actually. So a barley wine has got highish alcohol. It's 8% maybe. Uh, it's got some caramel flavours and some umph and a bit of fruitiness as well, usually with a barley wine. Just a fabulous one, but don't ever have a pint glass on the table when you're dining. Always has to be a wine glass or some is that sort of common, elegant. Is it? Well, it's just common. not, it's, I do drink pints by the way, but there are places to drink <laughs> pints mm. and it's in the pub while you're having mm. a few. Dining table, you need some decent glassware. Now, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to take that crackling, mm. dip it in the um, apple
0: sauce, because that, compl- that is almost what you're saying about the cider, Is it, it, it just cuts it. That's quite loud on the microphone chain. Even though
2: you're, you're you're putting your head away, that just shows you how it it. because because the apple sauce doesn't have sugar in it. There's no added sugar in that, so you're just getting natural apple flavour. Yeah, but you're getting the acidity of the apple. That works so well, mm,
0: it yeah. really. Does. So anybody that says you shouldn't have apple sauce with pork, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, and, and I think that's probably because so often apple sauce is just horrible and sweet whereas this isn't it actually is cutting through Mm. crackling beautifully. Mm. It's a really really nice accompaniment. How do you make that James?
1: So it's very important that you use um, something like a bramley or a cooking apple and that's that's why um, apple sauce is usually wrong because people use uh, eating apples which tend to have high sugar and they don't break down so we use bramley's we cut them very very fine we just melt a little bit of butter, a bit of thyme in there and some salt and then we just cook it down if it's super sour we might add a little bit of honey but usually it's just sweet Enough.
0: Yep. and thyme is a good addition as well I would say yep. Yep. where's the charcuterie from that is delicious, we've got, mm. a, we've got a whole range there what have we got?
1: So we've got some uh, uh pancetta, we have some red wine salami we've got a bit of lomo there uh, we've got some copper and some chorizo so this is all from a guy called Alan Bartlett who's based down in uh, the New Forest and he produces all of our charcuterie at the pig and and they all come from small holdings, I mean this time of year it's panage pigs which are those crazy things you see running around the New Forest that you almost knock over as you turn a corner but, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a great product. And, and the idea is that we're letting the pork talk for itself rather than mm. putting too many flavours. There's no nitrites in there. It's completely, um, you know, healthy, good stuff. Well, I don't know, healthy, that might be a step too far, but good. It's, na- it's natural. <laughs> natural, exactly. Um,
0: so I've just eaten this.
2: What is this?
1: That's a salami. Oh.
2: It's incredible. It's it's, it's fatty fatty and oily, mm. but in a really good way. And chunky amounts of meat as well.
1: So, I mean, it's quite an interesting story. So when we first opened the pig, um, one of the things I didn't really want to do was buy lots of charcuterie from abroad. And the only reason for that is mainly because you don't know the life that the pig had and you don't know how it was reared or anything. So um, when we teamed up with Alan, it was a bit of a learning curve. So it was my recipes from, from... bit of my childhood and a bit of what I learned going along. And then um, Alan makes it. So he's a third generation butcher in his shop. The shop's been open since the turn of the century and he diversified what he did into making charcuterie and worked with us to create something that is Amazing. completely unique to us.
0: Mm. Um, we've had a guy on the show, uh, North Charcuterie, very, very, very good. Yeah, cool. And he's in Kent. Oh uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but he's really experimenting and come up with some, some quite different stuff. Mm. Yeah. Um, now, Scotch eggs. <laughs> Scotch eggs. Do
2: you know where Scotch comes from? I do, actually. It means you wrap- you do- Yes, it's it's nothing to do with the country it's of Scotland. Not, it's not Scotland at all. What it's wrapping think? meat around an egg or something, you know, something else. It's the wrapping, some people say gift wrapping. Some people say that Scotch is, is, it means something that's been
0: Scotched is, is, is burnt or cooked, mm-hmm. which is the outside. Um, I think Fortnum and Mason lay lay claim to the fact that they invented the Scotch egg, although uh, this is disputed by a whole number of different people. But <laughs> uh, what they used to say is that people used to come to Fortnum and Mason, you know, in the old days, and had their carriages. They go to their country homes north of London, mm-hmm. and obviously they wanted something, you know, to eat on the way. Yep. And of course, this is the perfect, perfect picnic food, yep. um, essentially. Now. You've just cut those open. You were talking about the quail eggs. How do you get that beautiful egg that is not runny but mm. soft? You can see it's glistening. Yes, it's soft. I was thinking exactly the uh, same and slight. Well, just got a slight run isn't it? How do you get that?
1: Uh, you time it so. So basically, we, we we cook it for um, uh, two minutes. Two minutes, two minutes on the egg, and some people cook it slightly less. Some people cook it slightly more. It sort of depends on how you like your egg. Actually, there's. A... So,
0: so, what do you mean by two minutes? So you've 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 so, made it. You've wrapped it all. Yeah. What do you do? Just put it in a so, deep so, fat fryer and it's so two um, minutes.
1: We, we basically do you want some Coleman's? Oh yeah, a of course. So uh, we a whole we,
0: experience. Thank we, you.
1: We blanch. We we cook the eggs. We then put them into a little bit of um, uh, ice water. Let them so you cool do down, the eggs beforehand. Them. Yes. Yeah. And, then, and then we, we basically use like a piece of grease proof or some cling film and uh, we spread out our mix, wrap it round by hand, and then they're paned by hand and fried. So every single egg is made by hand by one of our chefs.
0: What I really like that is the ham hock. Mm. Mm. So quite often you'll get um, a sort of minced meat, mm. which I find a bit too... Oh, first of all, I find it too heavy. My mate Lasty makes Scotch eggs. But they are the size of footballs. <laughs> They're gorgeous, by the way. Yeah. Gosh, she puts lots of garlic in. Right. Um, whereas this is much more subtle. Mm. It's a really subtle,
2: not overly filling, cause mm. it's beautiful. You really get the sense of the hock as well, don't you? You get that texture of hock. Have you eaten all yours? Yeah. No. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I love I love that ham hock. Mm. It hasn't got that sort of, I don't know. Mm. It's, it's light. lighter as well, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it feels yeah. lighter and it feels as though... Um, it's chewy, definitely you get that chewiness mm. from it it's mm.
1: wonderful I, I just love that combination of ham and egg you know, ham yeah ham and egg i mean it's it's classic it's just an absolute mm. classic and yeah when these are fresh out of, of of the kitchen obviously they're crispy on the outside as well so you get that lovely texture of that crispy sort of breadcrumbs and it's a okay. classic combination mm.
0: now let's talk fish mm-hmm. so so um uh we've had mitch tonks on the program which was was a great pleasure and obviously he's a he's a fish expert i believe he's a good mate of yours yep um you've got some some um smoked salmon here and you you, you said it's your own recipe so so yeah. you actually get the salmon in and then yeah smoke it yourself
1: that's right so uh, we we get uh, we use lock jewett smoked salmon uh, sorry slot jewett salmon and it gets brought down for us um we we have looked at trout and salmon a bit more local but yeah you know, I, I just quite like the idea of salmon i mean obviously you know you have to use farm quite responsible to use wild these days but I believe that they're doing a great job up there and and basically we cure it in a mixture of salt sugar honey white pepper and lots of lemon zest and we'll, we'll cure that in the fridge for about 12 hours and then we take it out wash it off and then uh we, we every single pig has their own cold smoker so all the chefs go out there, fire it all up. It's not. It's not like a Bradley or anything like that. It's a proper old school smoker, which means that we can use oak sawdust from local sawmills and things like that. And um, and yeah, we smoke it depending on the season between twelve to sort of sixteen hours.
0: Now, um, what people, some people say is, I can't eat raw fish. You, you hear that a lot. The thing with um, w- when you put lemon or lime on on fish like this is it is cooked the whole point is the acid actually does cook so it's not it's it's not really raw is it that's right
1: i mean it's it's exactly (coughs) the same process as the charcuterie so the charcuterie has been cured the the um the salts and and you know if if you use an acid also penetrates the meat and it it cooks it but yes there's no heat but it kills a bacteria and it kills anything that might harm you and that's that's the idea what you're doing is you're removing moisture which then imparts flavor and makes it safe to
0: eat Jane, do you want to start while I'm oh, talking, God. and then I'll swap <laughs> with you. But I know that your chefs who work for you in the various pigs, they they want you to do a call out, don't they, with some of the local producers yeah. that are their favourites. So is it is it okay if we if we list? Yeah, Shameless promotion, but that's <laughs> what we're here for. If, if, we, if you'd like to do a call-out of your absolute favourite suppliers.
1: So, I mean, uh, over here in Kent, I mean, I asked Andy, who's my head chef down in Bridge, and, and we've got an open kitchen down there. So if you do go in, say hello to Andy. He's the guy with glasses on the pass usually looking very stressed um, but he, he wanted to <laughs> talk, his job yeah. <laughs> he wanted to talk about uh, Broxhall farm which um, they're producing some incredible grass-fed uh, beef for us it's only two miles away from uh, the, the pigot Bridge and we're buying whole cows from him so that we can reduce any sort of wastage and um,
0: and, and that's very unusual in a kitchen you know, Absolutely. you're saying it as if it's a normal thing, but it means you've got to know about butchery. You've got to understand how to, you know, to do all those things and look after it and keep it and, you know, prepare it. Exactly. That's, that's, that means that your guys are very skilled in the kitchen.
1: Yeah, they are. But, but I think it's also the way that um, we, we have an apprenticeship programme where we've got over 20, I think we're up to 25 apprentices now. And, and part, part of our ethos is also, you know... We spoke about the wall kitchen garden and we spoke about the charcuterie, but we want we want our young, our next generation, our next wave of chefs, as it were, to fully understand the process that happens before anything enters the back door of the pig. So, you know, we want to remove that idea that chefs pick up a phone, place an order and everything just arrives. We want them to understand what that produce has gone through before it lands in front of them. So, you know, by, by having them understand about the animal, about butchery, about smoking, about working with the, the the butchers to cure as well as spending time out in the garden it hopefully gives them a bit more respect for their produce and that's what we what believe. amazing
0: apprenticeship that would be i, know, I mean I because to, to be fair catering colleges can't afford that they just can't afford it so yeah, that's yeah. great right we can't I'm, I'm unbelievably running out of time so oh, give us a no. couple okay. more because we, so, we want to talk about you before we end james
1: okay so uh, highland court farm the are producing the most incredible cherries and fruits
0: oh we're great at cherries in kent Absolutely. Literally the, the best, best in the world. Yeah. The best
1: Longland Farm. This guy has got an amazing amount of duck and geese. I've been to the farm. It's on this sort of uh, hillside. He is a character in himself, and the, the you, have to be if you keep incredible.
2: Geese. <laughs> <laughs> well, these
1: turkeys we got mobbed actually last. Week. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> and um, and then um, you know just just big shout out to obviously the the wine garden of England. You know we, we work with the most incredible British wine producers, and and um, you know without without singling out any, we, we've done a lot of work with them over lockdown doing zoom wine tastes everything and and it really opened my eyes to what um kent is doing when it comes to British wine and i just am humbled by what's happening here Yeah,
0: we've got a really good garden of england wine group actually yeah, yeah. and what they've all realized is that they're not in competition what they're doing collectively is promoting Correct. english yeah. wines and particularly sparkling wines which we are literally well beating at <laughs> sorry french people no i agree um, i agree uh, and that they're a great bunch of people aren't they really Absolutely. good yeah very quickly um you were first employed at the Savoy Hotel. Correct, yeah. Now, I'm looking at you, James, if you don't mind me describing you. So you've got a sort of old-fashioned twirly moustache, you know, like they used to have in the army. Yeah. And, and you've got, you're covered in tattoos, um, and you've got slightly long hair and whatever, and you turned up at the Savoy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, I didn't have as many tattoos back then. All right. but, but, yeah, I, I was lucky enough to be taken on to the uh, Specialised Chef course, which is run by the Royal Academy. And, yeah, I, I, I landed a place with Antoine Edelman at the Savoy at 16, and um, it was incredible. I mean, I, I really sort of learned the most amazing French techniques and working in a large team. There was 130 chefs when I started there in that kitchen. Wow and um, wow. it was it was an incredible
0: time and, and very very good experience because because yep. you literally uh, went through all sections while you were there that's right it's great yes. training yeah. so then you went to caprice holdings and for yep. those people who don't know that includes uh le caprice and the ivy and jay sheikis and basically you worked at both le caprice and jay sheikis yeah. so you, you must be a bit of a fish expert as well
1: well yeah i mean I, I did i did two years at caprice and then i i left and did a little sort of tour of uh, europe and then came back and spoke to tim hughes and tim was like you know know what about shikis? You, you'd be quite suited for that and so I did six years there I, I was sous chef there when I left and fish is it's amazing I mean you know my wife used to say you always smell a fish but you know that's the
2: joy sorry love <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: you just have to burn my jacket once every sort of six months but yeah. no it was um it, i you know it's it was an incredible place to work we had The most amazing team. It was a great time to be in London. Um, We had some really fun times there.
0: That's very good. And and then you went to um, Soho House in New York before you came back.
1: Yeah, so my head chef from Sheiky's was made uh, chef director and I went out there as his head chef. We did the Oscar party in L.A. And, um, and, yeah, I did a few years there. and um, Good experience. It was a great experience, yeah.
0: And now we've got The Pig. Absolutely. Well, James, thank you so much for coming in. I know you're really busy. You're managing all of these restaurants and trying to get these producers sorted. And you've got your chefs and all sorts of things happening. So we really, really appreciate you coming in. For anybody that hasn't been to The Pig, I would highly recommend it. It, it actually is true to, you know, what it talks about in terms of local produce And I do think there are a lot of people who talk about it, but aren't really doing it. We will put links to the pigs, the various pigs that there are. Thank you. Um, And thank you, Jane. That's your lunch sorted. Oh, lovely. Mm. And there's some left as well. And there is some left. (laughs) Um, Thank you to our partners, the lovely people at Producing Kent. Next week, we're going to be talking about celiac disease and all things gluten-free. It's a big thing. I'm looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, I want to learn more about it. Well, we do more. learn. We do learn a lot here, oh. don't we? Um, thank you so much for listening. As you know, all of our um, podcasts, three hundred odd of them, are on Audible, Spotify, Podbean, iTunes, and the podcast app on your phone. The website is FoodTalk.co.uk. I'm going to tuck in now, although Jane hasn't actually left me that much to eat. <laughs> and I hope you have a good week. <laughs> bye bye.